1991, I headed from College Station to Houston, and in Houston, I met uh, Carol, picked her up, and she and I went to a jewelry store, and we began to shop together for an engagement ring, and uh, we found one, and, and I spent every last penny that I owned on that engagement ring. It was certainly not enough money to convey what I felt in terms of love. I was very excited about that. Got that engagement ring, and then a couple of days later, I presented that ring to Lindley and asked her to marry me. In case you were wondering, Carol is Lindley's mom. For those of you who are wondering what secret story you're fixing to learn about the pastor. Um, uh, And so Lindley was super excited about that. When I presented the ring, she said yes. Uh, Immediately after that moment, wedding planning began. I mean, it just began to consume our lives, and it was building up towards one of the most amazing moments of our life, and uh, super exciting. Well, there's a story in Scripture that kind of starts in that same arena, an engagement and wedding planning, and it, and it happens in a little town called Nazareth, and it's with a, a young lady named Mary and a young man named Joseph, and Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, and we can find this story in Luke chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 1, Mary is making wedding plans. Super exciting, amazing moment of her life. She's found the man of her dreams. Research says that he's about 5'9", skinny, and receding hairline. I'm just saying that's what the research says. But anyway, she's found the man of her dreams, and uh, they are making plans for this wedding. Now, on a particular day in Nazareth, probably a routine day, something extremely non-routine occurs. An angel appears to Mary and greets her. If you look with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel says to Mary, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now Gabriel at that moment must have paused long enough for Mary to begin to contemplate that kind of greeting because the scripture says she was rather perplexed at that greeting. She was stunned. She she was really in awe that the angel had greeted her in that way. You see, Mary had been raised in a home where she had heard all the stories of her faith. And since she was a little girl, as early as she could remember, all the way up until now, here she is, a teenager. She'd been told about people of her faith, people like Noah and Moses and Abraham and David, those are the people that receive greetings from God like you are favored, God is with you. She's heard story after story and now she's found herself in a position where Gabriel is greeting her with a greeting that only belongs to somebody of greatness in her faith. And so no wonder she's stunned. No wonder she's a little bit staggered by this kind of greeting and What Mary does not know at this point is she's not seen anything stunning yet. The angel Gabriel continues and says, Do not be afraid, verse 30, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary has just been told by the angel Gabriel that she is going to be the mother of the long-awaited and promised Messiah. That the one who's going to sit on the throne of David forever 
is going to be experienced by Mary and Mary bearing this child. Amazing and incredible. Far beyond stunning. Words can't even put um, meaning to this event in her life. I mean, you think exciting. You think wedding plans are exciting? What if you combine wedding plans with the plans for a nursery for the Savior of the world? I mean, this is staggering, stunning, and shocking. In moment, Mary has a moment for reflection, and it brings to her mind a question of either curiosity or confusion. She, she wants to know how this can be, and so she asks the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? If Mary knows anything, she knows that virgins don't have babies. And she's not married, she's a virgin, and she wants to know, how in the world is this going to happen? It's not possible. See, that's just it. God, God takes what we think is impossible and makes it possible. And that's exactly what the angel tells Mary, that God's going to work the impossible. Continue reading, he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Mary, you are going to have a child and that child will be called the Son of God. You, you have to be a virgin and God's going to work the impossible and you're going to bear a child so that that child can be called the Son of God. It can't happen any other way. You can't have the child of God if you are not a virgin. Here's the reason. Why does it have to be that way? Think about it like this. There is a problem between God and us. And the problem between God and us is our sin. Every single one of us has sinned against God, and that has created a separation between us and God. We cannot relate to God. We cannot be in friendship with God. We are made enemies of God by virtue of our own sin. Every one of us have fallen short of God's glory and His intention for our lives. And our falling short from Him means because of our sins, we have been separated from Him. It's not that God's hand is too short that He cannot save us. It's not that His ear is too dull that He cannot hear us. It's our sins that have created a separation between us and God. And so we needed a mediator. We needed somebody that would come between God and us and bring us back together, creating peace between God and His enemies. But there's a problem with that because God is not a man and we are certainly not God. And we needed someone who could mediate between these two very different parties. Jesus Christ is God become flesh, born of a woman, conceived by the miraculous work of God so that Jesus Christ would be fully God and fully man. It can mediate between God and man by his death and resurrection, providing an avenue for peace between us and God. This is how it had to be. And so Mary, who is a virgin and unmarried, is now going to be with child so that the Savior of the world can mediate between us and God. That is an amazing message. But it's a message that puts Mary 
in quite a predicament. Before we see how Mary responds to this message, I want you to think about the situation that she's in. The scripture tells us plenty about the laws of God that Mary would be living under as a follower of God, a Jew, an Israelite. The Old Testament speaks about things that would be happening to a young lady who is found to be pregnant outside of marriage, and they were not fun occurrences. She lived in a very strict culture. And to be found as a teenager who is engaged to be married to be pregnant out of wedlock would be crushing to her life. She would experience incredible circumstances for that. One of the possible consequences for her, according to the Old Testament law, is to be stoned. I mean, put yourself in this position. God comes to you and says, this is the only way this is going to happen. You are going to be with child as a virgin, not married. Puts Mary in a very difficult scenario. I mean, think about it. How is she going to explain this? She's a teenager, engaged, pregnant, not married, in a very strict culture that has terrible consequences for such guilt. What is she going to say? I promise I didn't have sex. I really am a virgin. This is the work of God. Right. Who's going to believe that? Who is going to believe what she's going to say? Her predicament means that she is facing ridicule, questioning, misunderstanding, isolation. And people are going to call her a liar. Who would understand her? Your wedding plans probably take a turn at that point. In fact, they did because when Joseph found out, he made plans to divorce her. See, in their day, to be engaged was as serious a commitment as marriage. And so to break the engagement would take something equivalent to divorce. And so Joseph's plans when he found out was to divorce Mary. Because if he went forward, he would appear guilty and he knew he was not guilty. She was. I mean, you consider Mary's situation. This is a difficult situation that God has placed her in. Incredible honor to be the, the mother of the Savior of the world, but what difficulty this scenario creates in her life. You know how she responded? Verse 38. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left. She said to the Lord, no matter what this means for me, no matter what questions I have, no matter what I have to face, no matter what uncertainties lie ahead of me, no matter what I don't understand at this point, no matter what is going to happen to me, I totally trust you. It doesn't matter how difficult this might be. It doesn't matter how unimaginable this might be. It doesn't matter that I cannot explain this to anybody in a way that they would believe it. I totally trust you. I'm your bond slave. And look what God did. God is so gracious. 
Look back at verse 36. In verse 36, the angel says, Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. God graciously included in the announcement of Jesus Christ this information about Elizabeth so that Mary would understand something. Now consider this. Mary just finds out she's going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. In addition to that, she finds out that Elizabeth, her friend and relative, who has been called barren, I mean, that's her reputation in the community. She's old, she can't have kids. Has now become pregnant because of the work of God. Now, what's the first thing a young woman who's pregnant wants to do when she finds out her friend is also pregnant? They want to get together and talk about it, don't they? I mean, it couldn't have taken Mary, it couldn't have taken Mary very long to realize that the, this little piece of information about Elizabeth was really just an invitation to go see her. How could Mary explain to anyone what was really going on in a way that they would believe her? Well, something was going on with Elizabeth that was uniquely the work of God. Maybe Mary should go see Elizabeth. And that's exactly what Mary does. Arrangements are made for her to make this about three-day journey into the land of Judah. So you think about what it's like to possess this kind of information, this kind of announcement from God, and to be on a three-day journey to some, see someone that might be the one person that would understand and believe what you have to say. Do you think those three days were filled with anxiety? I mean, if we were there, it probably would have been. But what's so amazing about the story of Mary is that there's just no anxiety portrayed in her account here. None whatsoever. And it's like she's walking through this most difficult and challenging circumstance with complete peace. And she's going to see Elizabeth. And God is taking such care of her. Because when Mary shows up to Elizabeth's house, Mary simply greets Elizabeth. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who has the baby John in her womb, experiences this baby. Now, mind you, John is the promised forerunner of the Messiah. It was said of John that from his mother's womb he would have upon him the Holy Spirit. It was said of John that he would prepare and announce the way of the Lord Jesus. That he would prepare people to see who Jesus is and respond to him. That's who John was. And here John is in Elizabeth's womb. And upon Mary entering the house and greeting Elizabeth, John leaps in Elizabeth's womb, announcing the presence of Jesus to Elizabeth. And look what Elizabeth says. Look at verse 42. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth knows. Mary spent three days getting there, probably wondering how she's going to explain it, She walks in the door and Elizabeth tells Mary what Mary thinks she's going to have to tell Elizabeth. Now don't you think in that moment when Mary recognizes, I don't have to figure out how to tell Elizabeth. If there was a peace that covered her life like nothing you can imagine. You know, God worked it out with Joseph too. Joseph had plans to divorce Mary. And Gabriel showed up to Joseph and said to Joseph and Matthew, said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This baby is a child of God is going to take care of sins, your sins. And, and Joseph knew that God had done this. And Mary knew that God was taking care of her life, no matter how difficult her circumstances might be. Do you recognize that Mary's circumstances did not get easier? They, you know where they lived after Jesus was born? They lived in their hometown. Can you imagine what that would be like? Living in your hometown with that reputation, knowing that you had a reason to be where you are that was inexplicable and could be... No one could be convinced of it. And yet all you see in Mary and Joseph is complete peace and trust in the Lord. And the key to Mary experiencing the confidence of God's promises and purposes peacefully amidst difficult circumstances, the key is found in verse 45. Verse 45 says, And blessed is she, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. The reason that Mary experienced great peace that led to unbelievable joy in circumstances that were going to be incredibly difficult is because she believed in the Lord. She believed. See, her faith was the conduit for experiencing the peace of God that prevails over all circumstance. It's the same conduit for your salvation. It's trusting in Jesus Christ, and your trust in the Lord brings peace into your life no matter what. And I want you to notice something very important about this passage. Peace from God is not the absence of difficulty. Sometimes I think we think that things would be a lot better in our lives if at times things weren't so difficult. But peace is not an absence of difficulty, turmoil, or tragedy. Peace is a person. Peace is the living God. And it's His presence in the midst of any circumstance that provides peace. You you don't have to 
win the lottery. You don't have to have some uh, miraculous change in your life. You don't have to be healed of some disease. You don't have to avoid some tragedy in order to have God's peace. At the same time, if you were to have some financial windfall, if you were to have some promotion at work or some great grade at school, or if you were to have some situation work out in your life, you would experience some healing from some disease that would not provide you eternal peace. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Now, I want you to notice in this passage that we see the presence of God in a way that we can understand how peace will come to our lives. We see the presence of God the Father and the promises that are made to Mary. God the Father says to Mary through Gabriel, the child that you're going to bear, this is the child that's going to sit on the throne of David. This is the child that's going to have a kingdom that will never end. This is the Messiah. He's given a promise. You notice that that promise is absolutely fulfilled, made real for Mary and every one of us. In the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ could never sit on the throne of David and reign forever if Jesus Christ had not lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again from the dead for our sins. Jesus Christ brings into reality every one of the promises of God for those who trust in Jesus. And then notice in verse 41, Elizabeth has this experience of understanding the promises of God in the person of Jesus. And she has this experience of understanding the promises of God and the person of Jesus as she talks about in the remainder of that passage there because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth's life that allows her to identify the promise of God made real in the person of Jesus. So I just want you to get that the promises of God are made so that you might believe them That they can be real in your life because Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sin. And while Jesus has ascended to the Father and is waiting to return for those who wait for him to return, he has sent his spirit so that you might understand that all his promises are to be experienced right now as you wait for him. That his peace is real for you right now. Because the Spirit of God is filling you as you wait for the return of Jesus who made all the promises of God real for you. Peace is a person. And that means that every single one of us have a decision to make. Will we trust in Jesus Christ? Will we decide that no matter what happens, no matter what this means for me, no matter what questions I have, no matter what dilemmas this might create, no matter what tragedies I'm in, I will trust in you totally. If if you will make the decision to trust in the promises of God made real in the person of Jesus, made experienced in your life through the presence of the Spirit, if you will believe in God like that, then God will bring things into your life just like he did with Mary. It'll bring peace in the midst of every circumstance. See, when you trust in God, you enter into a relationship with him. And he does stuff in your life so that you will not doubt what he has said, but have faith in what he said and experience the peace of knowing that his promises are real. That's exactly what he did with Mary. That's exactly what he does with those who trust in him, no matter what. 
If you don't trust in Jesus Christ, there's no way to be at peace with God. No way. Because the truth is that every single one of us have found ourselves in an unimaginable circumstance. We are separated from God. And the only way to get back right with God, to have peace with God, is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ who died for us. If you want peace with God, there's only one way to get it. It comes through trusting in Jesus Christ. And if you've never made that decision, I want to encourage you today to decide to trust in Jesus and to experience the promises of his peace. And if you've made the decision to trust in Jesus Christ in your life, and you're here today as a follower of Christ, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I've made that decision, then I want to challenge you this morning. Bank your life on the promises of God. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the word of God says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. That's a promise. That promise is only real because Jesus Christ died for you, rose again from the dead, overcoming sin and death in your life. And you can experience the movement of that promise forward until the return of Christ by the presence of the Spirit so that every day you can see a little bit more completion so that you might experience peace and be a light to the world. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that God has given us, given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. That's a promise you can bank on. God has made the promise to you and he's made provision for that promise to be in your life through the person of Jesus Christ and you can experience the reality of that promise every single day until Christ returns by the presence of his spirit. But none of that will happen unless you make a decision, I'm going to trust God no matter what. It doesn't matter what tragedy happens, it doesn't matter what circumstance happens, it doesn't matter what questions I have, I will trust him because his promises are real They've made real in Jesus Christ and I can experience them in the person of the Spirit of Christ. And If you'll trust in Jesus that way, guess what will happen? You will shine as lights in the darkness. And as you shine, people will see your peace. Because Jesus told us, I leave you my peace. Not as the world gives, but the way I give it. There is nothing in the world like the peace of God. And that's really what Christmas is all about. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ no matter what, shining with his peace to a world that needs the peace of God. Trust in Jesus Christ no matter what you face. His peace is real.